welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And we're in a good mood here today. It's the gardening show. <laughs> we're already cracking each other up. That's right. Helen May's with us. Yay. Helen is our resident gardening expert. She's a master gardener and uh, retired from May's Greenhouse. Helen, thanks for coming back. Well, you're very welcome. I always enjoy it. Now, well, didn't we give you an official title like uh, Noon Edition Gardening Correspondent or something it, yeah. lofty like that? I don't know. Gardening goddess. I like gardening goddess. Yeah, that's better. Well, as any of you who listen to our gardening show know, the phones will be ringing off the hook before too long. We are doing this. It's August, it's August 31st. So mm-hmm. sometimes we have a tendency to have this fall show a little bit too late or a little bit later than we should. Mm-hmm. So hopefully people will get all their questions in early. If you have in questions. T- yeah, in time to actually do something about the answer. Questions uh, can be phoned in, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And we hope to have some calls from West Baden and French Lick and possibly Greensburg, the two new yep. areas in the WFIU listening area. Uh, you can send your email also to noon at indiana.edu if you're listening online and you're in, oh, Japan or anywhere else. That'd be fine. Send us, a, send us an email. Sure, why not? All right, so let's get right to the, the gardening. I have the the pleasure of asking the first question, and then I'm going to just direct traffic for Mary Catherine. Who has <laughs> 150 other questions. This is from uh, one of the colleagues on my staff who said when she heard we were doing the gardening show, ask Helen about my euonymus. The leaves have – been turning yellow, getting spotty, turning yellow. Then they all fell off. Is the unanimous? Unanimous. That's only if they all agree that it's the unanimous. Right. You- <laughs> the unanimous is it dead? So, yeah. Helen. Well, if the leaves have fallen off entirely, it could be, but it probably isn't. Uh, the first consideration uh, this year would be to know if it is has been allowed to get exceptionally dry. Very often they are planted in the shade or close to a house, and while they might get along in in normal summers without water, this year they could suffer very badly. The second thing you think of when you think of euonymus defoliating is you look for scale, and she could see that either on the fallen leaves or on the the bare stems. And this will look kind of like scruffy, really horrible dandruff. <laughs> okay. okay. If that is the case, uh, she needs to get rid of that. Um, the best way to kill it is to spray it with an oil spray. Now, if the weather is extremely hot, that could do quite a bit of damage to the plant. So what she should do probably if it's a small plant and she sees scale on it is go out with a brush or an old piece of cloth or something and just try to rub some of it off. Okay. All right. Uh, But she should check the water. Now, I'm not aware, and it may be that I'm just ignorant, of any diseases that cause leaf spot on euonymus. However, if she doesn't think it's any of the things I've suggested, then she probably should take some leaves to a nurseryman uh, someplace like Bloomington Valley or Abel's or someplace that uh, can see the leaf and and determine if there's a disease or something of some kind. Okay. But it's probably not dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I did – I learned about – Euonymus before the show because Helen asked me if it was uh, a, a shrub or ground cover. And this, in fact, is a, a shrub. It's two and a half feet high and, and it had been doing very well until this year. So I'll pass along all that information and thank you very much. Before we go to Mary Catherine, we have a phone call. So let's go to Barbara. Barbara? Yes. Yes. Um, I have some hybrid blackberries that I got from a neighbor and most of mine set the fruit near the root, even though the canes will come out, you know, over 30 feet long. And I've had them for like 16 years, and I have finally put a fencing around to keep the deer out. So what do I need to know now that I get to prune them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
um, so that I get, you know, fruit along the canes. Instead of, it, you know, it gets dirty because it, you know, it falls over because they're so heavy. And because they've set on near the root, then they're laying on the ground. Well, first thing, they do definitely need to be trained up on something to hold them off the ground. Uh, you can just simply drive stakes every so often and run wires between and then just attach them to the wires. With, well, I've, uh, I've done that. Just ties. I've done that. All right. Now, brambles and blueberries, ras- not blueberries, uh, raspberries and blackberries are brambles, uh, usually bear on wood that has grown the previous summer. So what grows this summer, generally speaking, unless it's an ever-bearing variety, will not have any fruit on it. Um, I would suggest that you contact the, the area extension office and get a leaflet on pruning blackberries. Okay, now, are the hybrids different than, say, the wild ones? Since Mine don't have any thorns. Well, there is some difference. Uh, mainly, they will run longer than the wild ones, make mm-hmm. longer growth, mm-hmm. uh, and they may bear at slightly different times. Um, if you could find out what variety you have, it would be helpful. Uh, the fact that it is thornless, uh, it definitely is one of the newer hybrids. Uh, if I had a book here, I might be able to guess which one, but I don't know that much. But uh, you should check with uh, and get you a book on pruning uh, thornless blackberries okay. or a leaflet. Uh, the county agent can give you one. And if he can't, you can find something in the library. But if the deer have been nipping them back severely every year, that's uh, the reason you're getting bearing on uh old wood that they didn't eat, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the new wood that they devour each year uh, has no chance to bear because it has to be two years old to produce fruit. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Barbara. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. Okay, Helen. All the rage in my neighborhood right now, we all seem to be interested in hollyhocks. And so I, we need to, a little bit of background, and, and right now they, some of us have cut ours back for the most part because they started looking not so pretty good. Um, but we understand that we need those old blooms, that those, that's how they reseed. Do we have this right, or, or what do we need to be doing about our hollyhocks so they look good next year? Uh, hollyhocks officially, I think, are biennials. That is, they come up one year and bloom the second and die. However, if you prune back fairly early in the season, very often they will come through another year. Uh, If you want to have some seed, you don't need to be too concerned because you can cut the stem back to make it look better Mm -hmm. and leave a few of the bottom pods on until the seed is matured. Now, the seed is mature enough as soon as it looks somewhat brownish. Mm -hmm. So you could just pick those lower pods off if they reach that stage, dry them for a few days, and then sort the seed out. And I would re-sow in the fall. My best hollyhocks always come up from seed that fell off the previous summer mm-hmm. rather than my planting them in the spring, though you can do that. Um, it has been my experience that a large percentage of hollyhock seeds do not germinate, hmm. so you need to plant plenty of seed. Uh, but basically, uh, when they begin to look nasty, cut them back because you may get a shorter second second blush mm-hmm. if you do it early enough in the season. I actually had that experience mm-hmm. this year. Now, the blooms, mine in particular, were doubles. And mm-hmm. so when they got wet and old, they, they got kind of black. They're nasty. They, they are nasty. They hang on and look. Yeah, so Bad. that's one reason I don't like <laughs> I don't like double hollyhocks or double rose of Sharon because it just hangs there and is yucky. Yeah, it absorbs uh, moisture. Also the doubles you may not find much in the way of seed mm. because they are double and they 
seldom pollinate much. Um, what you can do with the doubles is try to cut them back early. They tend to be a little more perennial mm-hmm. than the single varieties. Um, but I I would say with the singles, the main problem usually, unless you clean up really early, is just thinning out the seedlings that come up around them, you know. So my friend who <clears throat> transplanted some hollyhocks from another – Actually, another house entirely moved. Mm-hmm. Those had bloomed this year. His only hope then really is any seeding, uh, reseeding from from this year's flowers. Maybe not expecting much next year. Is that right? Well, if if they reseed this fall and come up this fall, mm-hmm. they will probably winter over and bloom next year. Okay. Uh, if they don't come up until next spring, they may or may not bloom the first season. Mm-hmm. Depends a lot on how early they come up. Okay. All right. We're going to break into this hollyhock discussion. All righty. Just for a minute and go to Charlie. Charlie? Um, hi. Hey, Charlie. I was given a clay pot that is about 15 inches in diameter and spans about 14 inches above the ground. And I was wanting your suggestions about a flowering shrub, bush, tree, or whatever that I could plant in it that would overwinter with, uh, without being destroyed if there is such a thing. Thank you. Well, the rule of thumb for that, uh, are you aware of that there are plant, zone, plant hardiness zones? There's a map you can see in, in a lot of gardening books and so forth. We are in zone five. Mm-hmm. If you want something to winter in a container outside, the rule of thumb is to pick something that is hardy two zones farther north. So uh, at least zone four and maybe zone three plants would be more likely to survive for you. Now, another problem with winter is uh, if they're where there's too much drying wind and they are frozen— they may desiccate and dry out, and you may lose them for that reason. And the third problem is if it is a clay pot or a, a, a glazed pottery, when the soil freezes, it may break the pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, a concrete container would be safer. You can wrap that pot or you, you can set it inside someplace where it's somewhat sheltered, an unheated building, uh, a garage, a garden shed, something. When the plants go truly dormant, even if they're evergreen, they won't need light. But you will need to check if the weather's thawed a bit to be sure they're not too dry over winter. Or you could simply move them to a more sheltered location where they'll be more or less in the shade and not exposed to a lot of wind. Okay, Charlie? Okay, you get, thank you. you. Get enough information there? I sure did. <laughs> okay. I hope that didn't discourage you too much. <laughs> a, a little bit. Because yeah. yeah, it's something that I wanted to leave on an east wall and not have to move. Yeah. <laughs> well, a concrete pot or one made out of uh, one of these fakey ones made out of styrofoam or something that, that are made to look like a pot, mm-hmm. would be less apt to break and be better insulated right. than a clay pot. So you could just transplant. Keep the plant and wetter, too. Transplant and then mm-hmm. put it back in the clay pot in the sure. spring. Well, yeah. you could or just uh, just use, if you can find an attractive one, just use that kind of pot mm-hmm. year-round. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. okay. it will also keep it from overheating when the sun hits it if it's somewhat thick and insulated. hmm all right. Thanks, All right, Charlie. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Charlie. 855-0811-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. If you are not regular listeners to the program, you may not recognize the voice of Helen May. But Helen is our gardening expert. She's with us uh, every spring and every fall, mm-hmm. and we're talking about fall gardening. 
Well, this year, fall gardening requires a pickaxe. Um, <laughs> we haven't had any rain, it seems, in such a long time or enough to really uh, soften the ground. What, what kind of challenges, um, aside from the obvious, um, do we need to be thinking about as far as this goes? Do we have concerns that reach on into the spring? I know a lot of things are kind of going dormant a little earlier than we're used to. Um, what other things do we need to be aware of and uh, just in general, hard dealing with what we're dealing with? Well, the first thing you need to understand is that a lot of these trees that are dropping their leaves so early are in real distress. Um, if you haven't been watering your broadleafed evergreens, you should be. And you should probably continue that until freeze-up hmm. because there's we've been deficient on moisture since back in May, and it's getting worse and worse. If you have young plantings that are, uh, say, young shade trees or mm -hmm. something that have been in the ground even three years or so, they need extra water. They need a long, slow soak about once a week. And by that, I mean enough water to go down 8, 10 inches. Mm -hmm. And um, anything that you have uh, that is youngish, that hasn't been in the ground too long, needs water. Now, if, if the amount of water can be a problem, I know it really hoists your water bill mm -hmm. to be soaking trees and so forth. But... Um, I personally have quit watering my annuals entirely so that I can use the water on other things mm -hmm. since it's as late in the season as it is. Mm -hmm. um, I am watering uh, my red um, – I mean my dogwood trees because they're really suffering and they need the moisture. Mm -hmm. uh, even my established dogwood trees I'm trying to water. Mm -hmm. You may find that some of your viburnums and forsythias are actually wilting and maybe not picking up again by the next morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that case, again, at least one good, long, deep soak to tide them over till hopefully it rains. Um, plants that normally require quite a lot of water, uh, like astilbes and the so that sort of thing, may look just terrible, but if you can give them some water and even though the foliage dies, they'll probably come back. Mm -hmm. If they get really dry all the way through, you may lose them. Uh, bulb planting is coming up soon and digging is going to be very difficult. <laughs> yeah. So if you know where you want to plant, uh, you maybe should water those areas. Start getting that yes. ground softened up now. Uh, plants are under such stress that I don't think there'd be any value and might be harm in doing a lot of fertilizing at this mm. time of year. Mm -hmm. Hopefully by the time it gets later in the year, we will begin to get some rains. Uh, and you could certainly delay your bulb planting a little bit because uh, Ideally, there are a few things that should be planted as soon as you can plant them, mm -hmm. uh, fertile areas and a few things like that. Um, but tulips could be planted toward the second half of November even mm -hmm. if you have to. Uh, daffodils, you should try to get in the ground a little before that. Um, but the, the main thing is um, everything is suffering. And the things you value most or that you have the most time and money invested in are the things to concentrate your water on. Oh, that's great you know. advice. Everybody spends so much money on their annuals, or many of us do, that it's a shame to let yes. go of those. But, you know, at some point you just have to do that. Let's talk about what happens when something doesn't get enough water. I know um, in my garden um, there was a, a – um, not a hyacinth. Um, anyway, something that drooped and then I watered it, came back um, – if that happens on an ongoing basis, pretty stressful to the plant? 
And Helen, I, we have a phone call or two, okay. so, okay. so go. You can be pretty quick on this one, and then we'll. Well, Sorry. it's it's stressful if they get dry enough to wilt. But the fact that you were able to uh, give them enough water to revive them a little, because what happens if they don't get the water? They just keep losing moisture until eventually it kills them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go to the phones and Andrew. Andrew. Hello. Hello, Andrew. Yes. Go yes. ahead. Hi. I have another question with regard to hollyhocks. Um, I've been uh, several years. I've had like little weevils. Oh, that I hate are those. On I had those buds this year. And really <laughs> destroy them. And is there any effective control? I've used insecticidal soap, and they seem to laugh that off. Well, if if you say they are weevils yeah. rather than than worms, no, no, they're definitely a weevil. They're, they're a little weevils. I had them this year too. Little bug with a little long right. snout. Yeah. Oh, well, no. something you might try is a systemic insecticide that you put in the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to do that just before or just as the bulbs are forming because. That material is usually translocated to the growing part of the, the new part of the plant. Um, that you have no danger there of spraying something that you don't want to yeah. spray or something. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, with with the, the weevils, I don't think the soap will do you any good. Mm-hmm. You might try something with neem in it. Uh-huh. That might be helpful. That... Uh, I have been reading recently is supposed to repel or discourage Japanese beetles also, but you need to start applying it and sort of stay with it. Mm-hmm. Andrew, I had the same problem with my hollyhocks yeah. this year. Oh, I hate those oh, little guys annoying. so much. <laughs> I I became a woman crazed. My neighbors who saw me out in my pajamas checking every morning uh, to see if they were back uh, and giving them a sound cussing in the process will <laughs> attest to this. At any rate, I did find something uh, that worked very well. Uh-huh. And I think it's called Three in One, and it's by a brand safe something or other. Are you familiar with this, Helen? Well, it might be. Uh, there's a brand called Safers, mm-hmm. might be. There's safe but, in the title. Uh, it's in a turquoise um, spray-on container. Mm-hmm. It worked like a charm. Now, you have to keep up with it. Yeah. Um, do yeah. it, uh, you know, every few days go out and, and uh, you know, in between cussings give them a, a good spray. But it worked beautifully, and um, I did not see any downside as far as, um, you know, burn right, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. And so that, for me at least, was very effective, and they did not like it at all. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You develop a real strong uh, dislike for those little buggers, right. don't you? Did they, was a cussing part of the treatment? The yes, it was. Them? Now, it's okay. not recommended on the label, but I found, you know, really it boosted the power. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of talking to your plants to make them grow. Well, I talk to my bugs to make them die. Well, something like that that's feeding right in the buds, yeah. that's where you need to concentrate your spray. Mm-hmm. And if you are concerned about using insecticides, you can limit your spraying that way by just spraying in mm-hmm. the buds. Right. If you spray mm-hmm. after the flowers have opened, that's another matter mm-hmm. because you're going to get bees and, right. and yeah. they're in yeah. enough trouble. Yeah. But um, there are a number of insecticides which, if you're willing to to go that route, uh, are relatively short-lived mm-hmm. but would, would be more potent, like pyrethrin. Mm-hmm. And, of course, rotenone, you have to actually get on the insect right. or it has no effect. All right, well, Andrew. I think if you use this, you'll find it to be a very rewarding experience. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks yeah. a lot, Andrew. Bye-bye. 855-0811, 877-285-9348, and noon at indiana.edu. We have time for one more question before we move on to the break, and Steve's on the phone. Steve? Hello. Hello, Steve. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I have a question about irises. Um, I have some iris as well as a Siberian iris. And I would like to divide and transplant some of those this year. I was wondering what the best time to do that would be. All right. Your little pastime for the German iris or the bearded iris, but they will be all right transplanted now. The main thing, your main concern is moisture. Uh-huh. Normally, September is a time for a Siberian iris. Okay. Uh, and again, if it continues dry, lots of moisture. Okay. Does it matter if... Uh like when the leaves die back, is that an indicator of anything? Or Well, trim off any sick-looking foliage. Yeah. Leave as much green as you can. Uh, 
but no, it's normal for some of those leaves to get old and die back okay. through the summer. Okay, Clean well, up. all right. Thank you very much. Okay, Steve, thanks a lot for the call. Uh-huh. We're getting a lot of people lined up on the phones now, but we're going to have to take a short break. Helen May is our guest today. We're talking about gardening. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info WFIU is a media sponsor for The Community Kitchen. Bloomington Chef's Challenge is a benefit that will feature three local chefs. They'll have one hour to cook a winning dish from a pantry of ingredients. And the first annual Bloomington Chef's Challenge takes place at the Buskirk Chumley Theater this evening, Friday the 31st at 7 p.m. WFIU is a media sponsor for the 4th Street Festival of Arts and Crafts. For more than 30 years, this annual event has featured local, national artists presenting a wide variety of arts and crafts. It takes place on Labor Day weekend, the 1st and 2nd, and WFIU will be on hand with fans and balloons and a booth with lots of information. Please do drop by. More about both these and many other items on our website, wfiu.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. Well, George had a lot to say there. He, yes, he did. There's a lot going on this weekend. A lot going on. Everybody's right. back. Helen May is our guest today. We're talking about fall gardening. If you have questions or comments, please phone us locally at 855-0811 or from outside of the Bloomington area, 877-285-9348. And we have a special interest in calls from Greensburg or the West Baden French Lake area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're going to go right back to the phones. We have a couple people waiting. Susan has been patient. Susan? Yes. Um, I had a question for Helen about moles. Um, they've really invaded my, my yard, and I'd like to know how to get rid of them. She has any ideas. Moles, they must have, like, diamond-tipped little snouts or digging thing. I don't know how they're getting anywhere. <laughs> oh, they're doing a good job. <laughs> uh, they can dig through earth very fast if you are have good soil and are supplying water uh, they've moved in there because that's where they can dig easily and find something to eat they eat insects only Uh, things like earthworms and things grubs things they find in the soil Uh Uh, there is no good way to get rid of them you can do some temporary um, remedies. Quite frankly, the surest and best way to get rid of them is to trap them or have someone trap them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this means killing the moles. Yeah, I don't water the backyard, and mm-hmm. um, but you know it stays um, moist there because it's a lower area. Mm-hmm. So that's where they are, all that's, in the back. That's they've concentrated there because most of the surrounding area may be so dry they're having trouble uh, uh-huh. finding food and being able to dig through. You can treat the area with a product that has comes under several names. Basically, it's a refined form of castor oil, and it repels them because they don't like the way it smells and they don't like to have it on their fur. But you do need to follow directions when applying it, uh-huh. um, and the directions are very clear on the on the uh, package. It is not uh, toxic uh, unless you would drink a great quantity of it. It won't hurt at you if it gets on your skin or anything like that. It will repel them for pr- about three months probably uh-huh. from one treatment if it's applied properly. Okay, and I can buy that at a... Almost any place that sells uh, garden chemicals and supplies. Uh, I'm, okay. I know May's Greenhouse carries it. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, I may be there then. <laughs> uh, 
I've been wanting to go anyway. <laughs> yeah, they always really like my backyard, and I guess because, like you said, it's moist compared to surrounding area. Yes, yeah. especially in this kind of weather, I can uh-huh. see. Yeah. Oh, they're just going to town back there. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, You're Susan, welcome. thanks a lot for the call. Thanks. All right, the next caller is Jenny. Jenny? Hello. Hi, Jenny. Um, I'm calling about hydrangeas. I planted three of them before I realized that um, the deer think they're delicious. <laughs> and I have used a product called Deer Off with limited success, primarily because I'm gone a lot in the summer. I'm wondering if there's anything systemic that could be used that would repel the deer. There's nothing that I know of uh, that is systemic that would be a deer repellent. Uh, one thing that one of my sisters has used quite successfully is uh, perfume. Oh, oh, interesting. If you can find some place where you can buy some really stinky perfume at a cheap <laughs> price. Okay, uh, good. She takes green bamboo sticks that don't show too much, you know, that aren't obvious in the garden. Mm-hmm. And she takes uh, some old sort of dull-colored cloth that doesn't stand out too well, fastens it on the just a little piece on the top with some, uh, uh, you could use maybe a sponge, too, if you wanted to, with some twist ties, and renews the perfume every two, three weeks. Okay, they, and a... you want to put it in about nose height for the deer, hide it just in the top few inches of the hydrangeas, uh, they do not like the odor, and for her, it has been successful. Oh, great. Thank you. The other question I had is if I uh, I might try transplanting them, and I'm wondering what time of year would be best to do that. Well, either early fall, say uh, sometime in uh, <clears throat> October, Okay. second half might be ideal. Or very early spring, just as they begin to show a little bit of bud activity, the you know, before they leaf out. Great. Either of those times would be good. All right. Thank you very much. You're okay. welcome. Thanks a lot for the call, Jenny. And we're going to go to Pete next. Pete? Uh, yes. I have a really nasty uh, weed in my front uh, lawn that I think that I've called Johnson grass, and I think it could be that. And it's the only thing that's green because everything is so parched, so it's real easy to spot. I wonder if there's something I could do now to control it uh, since it's so easily identifiable. Well, you could. If Is it flat and spreads out, or does it come up straight and tall? It's kind of straight and tall. All right. Uh, you could try something like uh, Roundup if you can control it. Put it in a little hand spritzer or something, sure. and, and just on those particular plants. I have tried Roundup before, and I get a I get a pretty you know a dead circle around the plant. I just wonder if there's anything. <laughs> right, <else to> right. <laughs> the control is the. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's something that I could do that could you, you know, it? like wipe on or or something. I don't know. Uh, well, you probably could. Uh, even with Roundup, if you can wipe it on. And the oh, trick, well, trick to that is yeah. to get you a okay. protective glove mm-hmm. and an old cheap cottony type glove over that and mix up your weed killer in uh-huh. a, a container that you can reach into. Sure. And just reach in and sort of moisten your hand. It doesn't have to be real drippy. Uh-huh. And just grab that grass by the base and slide your hand up it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of I'm thinking that it might be uh, somewhat weak because, of, because it's so dry, and this might be a good time to try to get the better of it. Well, you could try it. Uh, I'm hoping. The, <laughs> kind of an opportunist. Uh, normally, normally you're recommended to use weed killers when a plant is growing rapidly because it will be absorbed quickly. And yeah. But I think that um, the condition things are in now, you might do okay. Okay. Thank you, will, you very much. You'll need to follow up in case there are little sprouts you've missed. You know, yeah. next season. And don't forget that pre- that protective glove. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, oh yeah, you don't yeah. want that stuff on your go, skin. Go to a, a garden center and buy you a nitrile glove. Nitrile. Mm-hmm. Okay. N i t r i l e. Yeah. 
Great. Thank you very much. All right, Pete. Our phone number is again 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or the email address is noon at indiana.edu. And we have Linda. Linda? Hello. Hi, Linda. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you. I don't have a, a question for about gardening, but I do have a comment. Um, the show with uh, Miss May is always my favorite every year. Aww. She's not only a master gardener, she's a master, master gardener. That's right. And I want to thank her for all of her help over the years. Thank well, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. We couldn't agree more. That's right. That's right. It's one of our favorite shows of the year. Absolutely. Well, now, this may seem like a crazy time of to bring this up, but I'm, I'm trying to think ahead a little bit, and we won't have you back until spring, so we need to talk about this now. What about cold frames? Uh, when can when should you set up a cold frame if you want to do for um, maybe you know some lettuces or something um, this fall? Can you can you do that? Uh, you should get you should get set up right away. The nights are getting cooler now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still pretty hot during the daytime, but without a cover, you could uh, if you have a nice prepared soil in your cold frame, you could sow spinach, mm-hmm. lettuce. Uh, that sort of thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quick-growing green crops yeah, almost immediately um, and for a few more weeks because the cold frame will let them go longer than mm-hmm. they would out of doors. Mm-hmm. We would have sown our spinach in our garden by now for next spring, but uh, it's been so dry we're just putting it off yeah. now. And then, of course, uh, when it gets really cold, you will have to close the frame at night and open it in the day if uh, if the heat buildup is likely because you could cook the stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. But it can extend your growing season for salad greens and that sort of thing. What else uh, do you recommend for, for a, a long frame? Time. I always just think in terms of salad greens. I'm, I, maybe there's something else that would work in there. Anything? Well, I don't know how... Uh, um, important something like onions would be you can get onions sets right now Mm -hmm. at least uh, the greenhouse still has some Mm -hmm. uh they won't head up and make i mean they won't make as big a plant they'll be kind of wispy but Mm -hmm. if you like that fresh Mm -hmm. scallion taste uh you can do that you could put in short season cabbages right now uh anything that likes cool weather Mm -hmm. uh you could you could do, um, I always mispronounce it, radicchio. Is that I correct? Don't th- I think that's how I've <laughs> heard it enough. pronounced, Helen. I, don't, uh, I, I know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Uh, the red stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, short-lived herbs that don't have to be real hot, you know, like maybe chervil or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, if you put some parsley in that you have growing elsewhere, it will be usable almost all winter. That's what I was going to ask. No. If you mm-hmm. have, um, some... I wouldn't sow parsley now. It takes so long. Right, you know? basil. If you already have one growing, can you transplant it into a cold frame to keep it going a little longer? You might. However, they are definitely warm weather plants. Yeah. Uh, your best bet might be to get get it into a pot. And bring it in the house. And get it in the house before you start using your furnace and get it adjusted to to living in the house. Same with rosemary? Uh, Yes. Now, rosemary you want to put in a pot uh, right away, and um, you need to acclimate it to the house, but you wait a little later, and then it needs a cool, Mm -hmm. cool room, Mm -hmm. the coolest place you have that will give it light. Mm -hmm. And carry it a little on the dry side through the winter. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people put their rosemary in their entryway, which makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense because you have the cold right. coming mm-hmm. in as you come and go. Right. Your house is going to smell great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I get this done. That's right. Our, have, <laughs> let's go to the phones and Eleanor. Eleanor? Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, what do you do for mealybugs on salvia? Oh, my. What do you mean, oh, my? Is this a, a perennial sa- sage or is it annual sage? Annual. Annual. Uh, uh, perennial what? Well, uh, salvias are the same as sage, like you cook with. I mean, the same family. Oh. Um, they look like flowers to me. Well, then these if these are something you buy for the bloom. Right. Uh, and, and you replant them every year. Right. Um... Your best bet would be to 
try spraying them with well, a they're hard to spray because they have this coating on them that sort of makes the spray roll off how large an area are we talking about here i have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten pots okay well then you don't want to uh, treat them by hand <laughs> i don't <laughs> well if you're willing to treat them by hand you can simply get you some rubbing alcohol and a oh, q-tip I, uh, wait a minute I have tried this for two or three years now. Uh-huh. Today, this year, they don't like my uh, jas- uh, vining jasmine. But last year, they killed two of the jasmine trees. Oh, my. And uh, So you have a large-scale problem here, not just a few little pots that... Uh... Well, I have tried... I'm down to malathion, and they are... And I just spray it on uh, the salvia... Full, well, almost full strength. I'm getting tired of they're, they're They're immune to everything. They're very difficult to get rid of. And the lady over at Lowe's says, I give up on you. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm getting tired of spraying them every other day and keep trying to keep them off my jasmine vines. and ja- But they, they're not on the jasmine vines right next to the pots. Well, they may not like the jasmine well, as well. they did well. before. They did before, huh? The jasmine are something that you keep bring in in the winter? Yep. All right. Probably your best bet is to remove the salvias as far as possible from the jasmine right well, now. Okay. I've so they don't that. spread. All I right. Th- hey, how about ants? Ants spread them. They carry them from place to place. Well, I know. That's why I'm saying uh, is that I've been... Uh, I thought maybe last year it was the ants that are, because uh, they would just take the, probably take the mealybugs up the little stem and make a little house. Uh, yes, so <laughs> so you might want to uh, get you some ant spray and treat the area around. I've tried everything. Around. I've, try, I've done, I've sprayed the whole deck, I've sprayed the each pillar, I've sprayed uh, the railing, I've sprayed the spindles, I've sprayed the floor. And I get, what can I do? Maybe you need to switch to mums. It's fall. <laughs> well, what is, what do they, now they don't like the uh, vining geraniums. Uh, no, there are some plants that they're not, uh, not, uh, 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 probably what you should do is go to, down to May's greenhouse and speak to Sheila. She is the lady in our houseplant greenhouse. Yeah. And explain your problem to her. They're and, insidious. Uh, you may have uh, a bad infestation that the ants themselves are spreading to your plants every year. I think they are. Uh, in which case, you may have to get rid of the ants around the house. I don't have any ants in the house. There's no, I mean around the house. Ha- are these, I know on, that. The, these I, on the porch or something? Or? Well, the, <clears throat> the deck is attached to the house, but I've never had, I mean, I've sprayed. Everything, even the basement, the sides, the outside, the inside. We may be stumped. Well, I think they like me. Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) Well, speak to Sheila because she is our expert on this. I even called up Bayer one time and she Uh. told me to put uh, that kind of potting soil in it that has insecticide and Uh everything else and boy they love that (laughs) i mean i'm almost ready to well you may have a strain that has become immune to some of these insecticides i know i can't Uh, tear my house down though no you your um your best bet is to speak to sheila she'll have more time to talk to you and she will uh perhaps be able to suggest something that i haven't all right, we're Thank gonna have to, yeah, we're gonna move on. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that was like a tough Eleanor. one. It's like Eleanor. She's so sweet. That's right. That's a tough one. All right, here's an email that came in. Uh, how do I get rid of tree of heaven growing in the middle of bushes that I want? All right, buy you some brush and stump killer. Uh, get you some good shears that or saw or whatever that will cut these tree of heaven off. Cut them off about uh, three, four inches above the ground if you can do that. If you can't reach them because of shrubs, cut them off a foot or so higher. Uh, Get a paintbrush 
or I went to Michael's and got a, one of these tube things with a brush attached that you use for painting. Oh, it's yeah. plastic. Mm-hmm. I fill it with the pure stuff, undiluted. I don't know if that's proper or not, but it works for me. And paint the cut and the bark down as far as you can reach with the pure stuff, being careful not to get it on your desirable plants if you can help it. Now, the trouble with Tree of Heaven is when it's cut off, it very often will re-sprout from the roots. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to watch for that. And when you see those re-sprouts, they need to get at least as big as a pencil or so. You've got to cut those off and treat them. Mm-hmm. And it may take you two or three years yeah. to completely eradicate them. It's amazingly insidious. It is. It's uh, it's considered an invasive plant and uh, ideally should not be planted or allowed to grow. Yeah. But they grow so fast and they make good shade that yes. a lot of people— And in this community, a lot of—you know, if it's a, a rental home or something, I, they just— Spread up before right. anybody, and and like you said, you have to keep after them in order mm-hmm. to to uh, right. get rid of them eventually. You know, this time of year is fall. We're looking at mums. We're looking at asters. Or uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, wh- what advice? What do we need to know about mums and asters as we put them in the ground? Any any ways of getting them to? Um, if we go ahead and instead of just keeping them in a pot, if we put them in the ground, any way of getting them to thrive and and uh, grow again next year? Well, the asters want a well-drained site that is sunny and it doesn't get horribly dry. Uh, They need to be divided every two or three years Mm -hmm. uh, to keep them healthy. If you see that you have leaf problems in the spring, the lower leaves dying, you may have to apply some fungicides or... uh, you should try start out each spring with some clean mulch around them. That may help mm-hmm. to scrape the old mulch off and put it under a tree or something mm-hmm. and uh, apply clean mulch around your asters. Um, they generally are not uh, too hard to grow if they have sunlight and a proper soil. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with mums is they have been so hybridized to get unusual colors and extra early bloom that a lot of them are just not hardy. I, the state has removed them from the hardy perennial list. They don't even inspect them anymore when they inspect the other nursery stock. Hmm. So to get one to live, it needs a rather sheltered spot under good conditions. Mm -hmm. Very often uh, planting fairly close to the house foundation where they get a little extra heat in the winter. Mm -hmm. But they do need excellent drainage. A wet soil in the winter is hard on them. You should wait until it turns cold, really cold, and then apply a light mulch around them. Mm -hmm. Leave the tops on through the winter. And if you find one that lives and survives... Cherish it, divide it, <laughs> and plant it in other spots. Yeah. I'm very interested in your comment, though, because I do remember as a kid that you could just stick them in the ground, and then before you knew it, you had mums like crazy. Right, but your color choice wasn't very big. You could get uh, yellow and purple mm-hmm. and bronze right. and uh, white, hmm. and that was about name? it. That sounds great. What else would uh-huh. you need? Oh, different oh, they oranges. Have all, oh, okay. and, and they have yeah. all shades now, mm-hmm. almost different shades pinks. of violet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And violets and creams and strange colors. I'm going to uh, toss out our phone number one more time. We've only got about three minutes to go, but we could probably get kay. one quick question in, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or noon at indiana.edu. Uh, what else should we be doing this fall? Is it a good time to top dress with some organic matter? What What would you be doing? Well, always I like when uh, if you clean up a perennial bed, for instance, it's always nice to... Uh, put a little um, compost or something mm-hmm. on to help enrich the soil. A bed that's not dug up every year needs a little, you know, a little encouragement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, clean up anything that might drop weed seeds and so forth and get those out of your beds before they mature completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might want to note uh, anything you want to make notes of anything you want to move or that mm-hmm. you feel needs dividing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I photo document. 
because otherwise I you forget. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good, good idea. That's a very yeah. good idea. Yeah. We, have yeah. a, we have a call. So, yes. Max, Max, do you have a quick question? Hello. Hey, Max. Um, last fall, I planted um, several lucifer plants, and they were a complete no-show this year. And I'm wondering if I screwed up and if they're completely dead or if they'll pop up sooner or later. If you planted them last fall and they didn't come up this spring... They're not going to. Okay. If it were a lily, a true lily, you'd, you'd have good chance of it coming another year. Um, they are sort of marginally hardy here. Mm-hmm. They would be better planted in the spring, probably. I think you can get them in the spring. Okay. Uh, uh, someplace that's well-drained, sunny, um, not excessively wet in the winter. We're kind of borderline hardy on them, so it needs right. kind of a, a sheltered spot. That's what I need to know. All right, Max. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the call. Okay, Mary Catherine, 30 seconds in that last question. <laughs> 30 seconds. Uh, I guess I would just follow up with um, the the question about getting ready for winter. Uh, die, cut back things that are dying back. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, with perennials, the flower stalks bloom, and then they begin to look like the devil, so mm-hmm. you just cut those off, but you leave the leaves at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, with iris, clean up any old foliage because that's where the the minor leaf miner eggs are wintering. Mm. Uh, the same with columbine. If you've got a lot of leaf miner, cut those leaves off and burn them or send them someplace. Don't compost mm-hmm. them. Um, be sure everything is wet enough going into the winter, particularly your broad-leafed evergreens and uh, almost any kind of evergreens. Now, junipers don't really need to be terribly wet, but if they've had a dry summer like this, it wouldn't hurt to mm-hmm. give them a drink. All right, and we are out of time. I do want to tell our <laughs> listeners, though, that if you like this gardening show, they're all archived on the WFIU website, WFIU.org. And also, our show is now podcast, so you can get downloads of the show. And you can have them podcast to your whatever, your device. You can have noon edition, morning, noon, and night. That's if right. You want. Anytime you want it. All right. Thank you, Helen. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for asking me. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Catherine Hageman, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.